0: you for your grace we thank you for your mercy that you've given to us who are we that you are mindful of us but you have sought to make us just a little lower than the angels and for that we say thank you thank you for this time in your word and we ask you to bless it bless father the spiritual food for the nourishment of our spiritual body may it sanctify us purify us and make us strong in jesus name we pray amen Amen. Glad to see everybody. If you could give God a hand clap as we start to get started. We are very glad to be in our final installment, not because it's the final installment, but because uh, we've covered some really, really good stuff in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians has been a wonderful book. Uh, It is a great book um, to take care of both doctrine and practice. Um, Several books in the New Testament do do that, and it's important that we know Number one, what we believe, and number two, why we believe what we believe. That's an important factor for us to know. And today we talk about a very familiar passage of Scripture starting at Ephesians chapter 6 around verse 10. We talk about spiritual warfare a lot of times, and uh, oftentimes there are many teachings on spiritual warfare, and we're going to take... Uh, our time and begin to teach this in part 12 for those of you who are watching uh, or listening by podcast we want to be able to say welcome Uh, we're so glad that you took the time to learn with us and we're excited about what God is going to do if you could if you could read in concert with me uh, we're going to read some of these scriptures we might not go all the way through them I want to go Uh, only down to from verse 10 to verse 13 right now so if you could read that with me let's get ready and read finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand therefore. Um, That goes into verse 14. And I want to start... We often talk about battles and we often talk about spiritual warfare, but there are more than one front. There is more than one front to fight the battles that we face. I don't know if you know it, but we're in the fight of our lives. We are in a very critical fight. Um, there was Saint Thomas Aquinas uh, in some of his works and literary works he used a phrase that we often use today in the Christian world it's called the world the flesh and the devil and he used that to describe the battles in which we face because many times we erroneously blame everything on the devil we blame all sorts of things on the devil that the devil didn't do because everybody doesn't like the devil so it's good just to blame everything on him and it'll be okay but the truth of the matter is there are many things in the world that have external enemies and internal enemies and so those are the three enemies that we ultimately face are the world uh, and we're going to talk about that again everybody say world number two is the internal enemy everybody say the flesh and then when we're going to end up tonight everybody say the devil We're gonna start with the world. The world comes in, and when you look at the word "world" in the Bible, from where we're looking in the standpoint, it uses the word "cosmos." In other words, an order or a system, uh, universe, worldly affairs, inhabitants of the world. In other words, how the systems of the world are set up, the kingdoms of this world are set up, how um, how governments work, and how things work in this earth, and they are influenced by evil uh, many. And you can see that in every government. It doesn't matter what government you're in, you'll see the evilness of mankind. And if you look close enough, if you have a spiritual eye, you can see the hand of the enemy floating behind those things and behind the scenes through legislation and other things. You can see that the enemy is powerfully at work pushing agendas that are much different from those things that God wants we even see our own government oftentimes pushing things that are much different than God wants for us and uh, the Bible gives us clear instruction in first John chapter 2 verse 15 and it talks about the world the cosmos it says do not love the world or anything in the world world the love of the father is not in them and then he begins to describe what is in the world. So you'll say, well, what is the world? He describes it. He says, for this is all that is in the world. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father but from the Father world. As you see, he categorizes that as the world. These things in the world system, these are the things that the world goes after, the, the lust of the flesh. If I see it, I want it and I take it. And the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, these things are things that are enemies to us on the earth because they can destroy our walk with God. And then he says this, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God remains. We have external enemies. You have to be careful of everything that happens in the world. Every time something happens that's popular, it is not necessarily of God. It is not necessarily a godly characteristic. It is not necessarily something that God would approve of. So you always have to remember that the majority is not always right. That's the reason in America we don't have a democracy. People often talk about we live in a democratic society, but we do not in a democratic society. Majority rules. We have what's called a constitutional republic. It's designed to keep a gridlock so people are always pulling against each other. You know why? Because when you put mankind into anything, somebody's gonna get something wrong. So it's, got, it's designed to put a tug of war into it so majority doesn't rule because sometimes majority says that it's okay to do some things that God does not want done and so we have to have defenses against the world so we're going to look at one of our first defenses of the against the world everybody look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 Let's read that together. Verse 1 through 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So, one of the ways for us to shift and to fight the world is to get our mind off of the things of the world. That does not mean that we're not in the world. You have to be in the world, but you don't have to be of the world. It's okay to watch the the news and see things that are going on, but it's not okay to consume the news to the point where that's the only thing that's invading your mind and and, and taking over your thought process that you should, you are what you eat, everybody say you are what you eat. If you eat the twenty four hour news cycle you 're going to become the twenty four hour news cycle. If you eat the word of god you 're going to start producing mindsets that come from the Word of God. So when you look at at the uh, at the at whatever news channel you like, you look for information, whatever tainted information they do give you don 't look for inspiration you don 't look for it to give you your values and what you should be excited about and what you should be upset about. We look to the world the word of god that 's how we fight the world's systems because the media is one of the world's systems and it influences people negatively many times and it is very manipulative and if we are not careful as Christians we will find ourselves following agendas that God never designed for us to follow. If you're going to fight the world the only way you can fight the world is to change your mindset because the world has a system and a mindset and a flow of how things work and God wants us to do it a different way. Let's look in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. And we'll read that together. And it says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Notice we've read two scriptures and the devil has not been mentioned one time. There was an old old adage in an old t v show I think it was Flip Wilson every time he get caught doing something. He said, "The devil made me do it, <laughs> but the devil didn't make him do it. Sometimes the systems of the world are conducive to produce things that are ungodly, and how we become unconformed and not conform mentally and and emotionally and spiritually to the world is we have to renew our mind. How do you renew your mind? It's by a constant barrage of the word of God. If uh, Psalm chapter one, he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in due season, his leaves will never wither or dry up and whatsoever he does shall prosper. How does he do that? Not just because he doesn't stand in the, in the way of sinners or or walk not in the counsel of the ungodly; those are things that prevent those things from blocking his path. But the reason he's blessed is, it says, because in his law he meditates day and light and day and night that his delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, so, guess what? of the things that we need to focus on if we're going to fight the world is to ingest the word of God because you cannot know what the word God's will is unless you have the word down on the inside of you and but guess what I know what lamb tastes like I know what hamburgers taste like but if uh, you go a while without tasting it you may be able to be fooled by some alternative vegan meats or other things but if you are consuming those things on a regular basis you won't be fooled Satan doesn't doesn't come with big lies. He comes with small lies. The world doesn't come with big lies. They come with small lies, and they gradually change the truth. So how do we fight those things? We fight those things by constantly ingesting the word of God, and if we know what God's will is, then we also know what God's will isn't, and we can rightly divide the word of truth and test the things and systems of the world to say these things are not of God. Now, let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. This is another defense against the systems of the world. Is this helping anybody? (laughs) Philippians 4, verse, verse 8. What does it say? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. How do you fight against the world systems on a personal level? It's simply by renewing your mind, focusing on Christ and raising your family as well to focus on Christ and the word of God. We need to make sure that our minds are focused on the things of God because a shift in focus will cause a shift in direction because so is a man thinketh, So what? So is he. So it's important that if we're going to fight the world systems that we don't become tainted by the world systems because what they do is when the world has a system and it wants to introduce something ungodly, it puts it on TV and you start seeing things on commercials, and they slowly introduce things to your children, they slowly introduce things to you, they put different things in commercials and try to normalize things that aren't normal, and what they're slowly trying to do is get your mind renewed to their system and their way of thinking, and we have to reject those things because they go contrary to the word of God, amen? Now, we talked a little bit about the world, Uh, now we're gonna talk about the flesh. Everybody say flesh. That comes from the Greek word sarts, which means human body or the human nature, your soul, your mind, your will and emotions, those things that are kind of contrary to God. And so we see those things in the book of Galatians chapter 5. Let's read that together, Galatians 5 and 17. There's a lot in Galatians there, but I just picked these few for time's sake. And it says this. Let's read. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, God's spirit wants you and is urging you to do one thing but your flesh is urging you to do another so not only are you fighting the systems of the world, the governments of the world, the mindsets of the world but now you have an internal battle because you're having to fight on the inside of yourself, the spirit is saying don't do this and you're saying I really want to tell you what's on my mind and and sometimes we'll be sneaky with it as Christians, we won't cuss them out out loud because then we have to say we did it, so we'll say nasty stuff in our mind and we replay in our mind what we should have told them, and what all the things we could have told them, and, and we go back over an argument four or five times why so we can say oh that would have been good to tell them." i should have told him that right there and things like that we do that sometimes our flesh is fighting against godly behavior and what we have to do is learn to walk in the spirit that's the defense against the flesh so let's read that galatians 5 and 16 Let's read it. So I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh what does that mean that means that we set an intentional day to day focus on living that pleases God in other words when you hear the word walk or or, in that sense it means a day to day you're walking you're continually doing it does that mean you get everything right and perfect no it doesn't but it means that you have a habit and a mannerism that you're trying to walk in a way that pleases God and if you're busy trying to please god you won't have a time to do other things there's an old adage that says what idle minds are the devil's workshop or idle hands are the devil's workshop and the best way to combat the flesh is to be busy with the things of god the bible says that the 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 maiden or the married woman uh takes to her husband but the virgin uh she is to be married into the lord why because if you're busy doing god's work when you're young you don't have time to do what Satan's word. But in our culture, many times it's flipped the script. Every time you need something done in a church across America, who are you generally depending on? The seniors. Because they're retired. And they got a little extra time on their hands. And it's hard to get a hold of young people because there's so much stuff competing for their time. There's so many different types of games. There's so many types of events and things that they could do that get them distracted from the cares of life. And there's nothing inherently wrong with those things. But what is wrong is when you take those things to the extreme and you negate your responsibility to work in the kingdom of God and to be able to help a local body of believers because we're all called to work on a local level to be able to do God's work and to propagate the gospel. So it's important if you want to fight the flesh that you have to have an intentional day-to-day focus. That's why it's important for devotionals. That's why it's important to read your Bible every day, not sometimes and every now and then because you eat every day and if you don't eat every day physically your body gets weak and if you do not study your word every day your spirit will get weak, and you will find yourself in some of the toughest trials of life, and you're unable to fight those things off. So it's important that we be encouraged that we get strong in in the Lord and deep into the Lord. So now we've looked at some defenses for the world. Everybody say world. We've also seen how to fight the flesh. Somebody say flesh. Now we're coming up to Ephesians chapter 6 as Paul ends his letter to the Ephesians. Everybody say the devil. Hmm. He says in verse six, chapter uh, chapter ten. Uh, Verse 10 of chapter 6, rather, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I want to stop there because he says, be strong in the Lord. He's about to tell you how to get into spiritual warfare. And the first thing you need to do and remember is that you cannot get into spiritual warfare on your own and by yourself. Your strength in spiritual warfare will not come from you. It will come from God alone by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about uh, a, a priest named Sceva, and he had seven sons. And those sons went in to cast out demons and do spiritual warfare, but they didn't have the power of God. And the demon looked at them and said, I know Paul. And I know Jesus, the person you're talking about, but I don't know you. And that demon beat them out of the house, beat them out of their clothes, and they ran down the street stark naked. Why? Because they tried to do it under their own power. And we have to be very cognizant that there is a spiritual realm. We don't talk about that like we need to do uh, nowadays. We kind of gloss over it and go with the practical, and the practical is good, but we must be ever-present in the mindset that there is a spiritual world that is out there and we have to fight in that spiritual world let's read verse 11 put on the full armor of god so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes now that word schemes right there is is seen as methods or strategies that are designed to cause chaos or they're designed to cause disruption and john 10 and 10 the bible says that the thief cometh not but what To kill, to steal, and destroy. In other words, Satan isn't just throwing something at the wall and hoping it sticks. He has strategies in place. He is playing chess. He is not playing checkers. He's putting some people in your place just to trip you up. Lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. Some people that come in your life, they didn't come in your life by accident. They were on assignment. And God put them uh, on, God... uh, placed a hedge around you because the enemy put them in your world on assignment to abort the b- the blessings and abort the purpose that God has put in your life and you must be careful of those people and you have to be very very careful of the people that you allow to come into your life because those people could be on assignment from the enemy and the enemy is so crafty that they could be on assignment for the enemy and not even know that they're on assignment for the enemy that they're foolish and they don't know that they're allowing the enemy to use them to be a stumbling block for you he has schemes and we must have a dependence on God and and his power to destroy those strategies let's look at Luke chapter 22 verses 31 through 32 let's read that Simon Simon Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brethren. In other words, that sounds very similar, doesn't it? That sounds similar to the book of Job when the Bible says that the sons of God presented themselves to the Lord and Satan came with them. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? He says, Satan has desired or asked for you Satan has asked to get at you do you not know that some things that happen there it's not just a spiritual consequence if you don't pay your bills your lights are cut off the devil's not messing with your bills you just need to learn the budget a little bit better but there are some things that that go in and they were designed to get after you and destroy your life Satan's not after your house he's not after your car he's not after your family in one sense he's after your assignment He's after your purpose. And if he can stop you and keep you from getting one more person to the kingdom or keep you from witnessing one more person to the kingdom, it's a means to an end. If he knows that you love that car more than anything, yeah, he'll attack the car. But it's not because he cares about the car. It's simply because he wants to stop you. And he knows if I get you and take this away, you'll be so depressed and so down that you'll forget Christ, you'll forget to witness. He's trying to get you distracted. He is playing games and chess with your life, and it's important that we know that Satan has schemes. And now, the most important verse of this, this lesson tonight, verse 12. Let's read this together. For our struggle... I wait to wait till they get it up. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, when we hear that, we generally try to go over that and we gloss over that. We don't really realize what that's are saying, because when we hear rulers, powers and authorities, we generally think like kings and queens and things like that. Right. The truth of the matter is, that's what most, where most people's minds go. But we just also talked about the cosmos, which means that we talked about the world and we talked about the flesh. So these aren't governmental rulers. Let's see who these rulers are. When you're talking about rulers and princes and powers and authority in the Bible, it is specifically talking about spiritual rulership. Just like God is the king of uh, kings and lord of lords and Jesus is the lord of hosts or the lord of heaven's army, Satan has an army as well. And there is a spiritual battle going on. Paul is speaking of demons of which Satan is part. Demonic existence is reality and it is revealed in a constantly decaying culture. However, it's important for us to remember that Christ has authority over every realm it's it's easy for us to really think about the earth and all we think about is our own existence, but there is an existence that was before us and outside of us. There are angels and angelic beings that are out there, and there are some who, the Bible says, have left their royal estate, and there are others who have been cast down with Satan and they're in the realm of the of the heavens. And when he talks about rulers and powers and authorities in the heavens, he's talking about demonic activity. You see this in the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, I believe, is Daniel chapter 10 or chapter 21. I believe it's chapter 10, verse 21, somewhere around there. You can go back and look at it for yourself. But Daniel is praying, and all of a sudden, an angel, a messenger, shows up to Daniel after he's prayed for quite a while. And what he says is that I would have come to you with a word from God when you first prayed, but the prince of Persia held me up. He is not talking about a literal prince of Persia over the kingdom of Persia. He is talking about a principality, which is a spiritual rulership over the region of Persia. And he began to fight with that spiritual region or that spiritual demon. And the Bible says that he said, I could not overcome him, but Michael the archangel had to come and knock him down for me so I could get to you. And now I'm on the way back. To battle with him. In other words, there is a battle out there in the spirit realm of which many of us are not cognizant and we are not aware. It freaks a lot of people out. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. Uh, that there, there are other beings out there besides ourselves. There are angelic beings and angelic hosts. And they, they have agendas that they're trying to accomplish. And, and they're trying to overthrow the kingdom of our world and of this Christ. But they have already been defeated. But the good news is to know that even though there are those things, that Christ has dominion over the earth, The heavens and the things underneath the earth, in the realm of the earth, locked inside the earth. Let's look at this scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 21 through 23, and you'll see what I'm talking about. If you have time, I encourage you to go back and read a little bit before that, but for time, I'm going to read that. I'm going to start at verse, we'll start at verse 20. Ready, read. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand where in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Stop right there. In other words, over every spiritual being, over every angel, over every, uh, every, over every demonic spirit, he's given him this power. And it, now it says, in every name that is invoked, not only in the present, but also in the age to come. Keep going. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. One last verse, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In other words, that when Christ died on the cross, when he rose again, God gave him authority over everything. And you see this also in scripture. That's why it's important to pay attention to scripture and not just look at little nuances and keep reading. He says that because he has made himself a servant and become obedient to death, it says now that at the name or the authority, which name means of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess and think about what he's saying in heaven in earth and under the earth most times we think about right here in our realm in the earth realm but there are spiritual things going on all the time that we are not thinking about that are going on. There are spiritual things going on in heaven and there are spiritual things that are going on in the earth. The Bible says that there is that hell was made for the devil and his angels. But because of man's wickedness, hell has expanded itself. That's in and that's in the word. But so we need to realize that Jesus has come back and he has authority over everything which means that if Satan does something, he can't do it without the permission of God. In other words, we see that in the book of Job. Why? Because Satan said, I would attack Job, but you won't let me. You have a hedge. And many times we walk around as believers scared of the devil. Do you not know that the enemy cannot do anything that God will not allow? He is powerless before God. According to Ephesians 2, chapter 1 through uh, 2, the enemy was at work in the children of disobedience. It says, as for you, let's read that. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Oh, stop. Notice he said the kingdom of the what? The heavenlies. Satan, Satan's in this heavenly this this lower heavenly realm. There's different versions of heaven. You have a first heaven and a second heaven, which is the stars and the constellation. And then there's the heaven in which our God resides, where Paul says I was taken up into the third heaven. So the, there are, are different uh, different levels. But the Prince of the Power of the Air, he is the Bible calls him the God of this what world. <laughs> or the God of the cosmos, or the God of the world systems, and let's read verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. Stop right there. You were dead in, in your sins, and you used to live by the world's what? System. An eye for an eye, and a what? Two for a two. You hit me, I hit you. You lie on me, I get you back. You do this, I do that. And now Jesus said, come out of that system because nobody wins in that system till everybody's hurt and everybody's gone, and even the survivors there. He says, love your enemies. Pray for those that use you. Let's keep going. In which you used to live, with the uh, live when you followed the ways of this world, and for the of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Huh? That the enemy is working in everybody who doesn't know Christ, those who have rejected Christ. So it's not just a way for us to go and just pretend that these things are not happening that there is true spiritual warfare out there and as Christians we cannot forget it there's a power principle and I don't know if they put it up if they did I'll be glad but I want to give it to you and I want to let you know this let's read this they did this is powerful think about this now that you have become a friend of God you have become an enemy of the adversary there is no neutral ground You just can't stay in the middle and be lukewarm. You have to speak out against wrong and injustice and unrighteousness. You don't get to just hide and tuck your head in the sand and hide like Gideon did or even like Saul and hide in the straw. There is no neutral ground. You are an enemy of the enemy. And whether you like it or not, you are in the war. Because America was so uh, isolated and covered on both sides by water and bodies of water and nobody really wanted to get to them in the world, Second World War, they decided that they weren't going to get into the war. And all of a sudden, Pearl Harbor happened. And what they were really saying is whether you want to be neutral or not, The world is at war, and you're going to have to fight. I know it would be nice for us to think that we could go to church and just come home and have our Bibles and our Bible studies and our friends and our teas and our lunches and be okay. But you love Jesus, and you are a friend of God. Therefore, you're the enemy of the enemy, and you have to fight. There's an old movie that used to say, all my life I had to fight there is no neutral ground Matthew 6 and 24 let's read it no one can serve two masters Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or the original translation, mammon. Mammon was a god that they were they were serving, and you can't have both, but you're not able to be on neutral ground. This is a war we're in, and it's spiritual warfare. The enemy's already lost, but he's still fighting into the very bitter end. So... You have to remember that you have to be alert and sober minded. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 and let's see what kind of war we're in. It says, What? Be alert and of sober mind, alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Ready or not? Here he comes. So you have to be ready for spiritual warfare. So now we come to Ephesians because we now have made the case that there are no neutral parties. Verse 13, Ephesians 6 and 13 says this, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand. See, you must make sure that you're fully armed. When a when a soldier was armed, he covered every place that would make him vulnerable. You don't get to just put on a blessed breastplate and don't put on a helmet because somebody's going to knock you in the head. <laughs> you don't get to just do a little bit and not do all of it. You don't get to have... Uh, a la carte christian life where you get to pick and choose what which parts of it you do i like the salvation thing but i'm not really into that faith thing that much i i i like faith and, and i like salvation but i'm not into sharing the gospel because any part that you leave out you leave yourself vulnerable and exposed and as you see the enemy is constantly trying to destroy you you don't care if you're old He don't care if you cripple. He don't care if you lame. He don't care if you young. He don't care if you black. He don't care if you white. He don't care if you Chinese. He doesn't care if you Filipino. He doesn't care if you're of Asian descent. He doesn't care if you're Native American. He doesn't care if you have disabilities. All he cares about is that if you care about Christ, his job is to destroy you. But oh, I'm so glad that my dad has all things under his feet and our elder brother jesus has been given all power and authority and that the enemy can be held at bay he says then stand firm then verse 14 with the belt of truth buckled around your waist truth will save you sometimes see the belt is to gird up some things and to keep some things in place to to protect uh the loincloth and things like that some very vital things so truth is very important truth can save you you may make a mistake but if you do do it Tell the truth. My mama used to say, "If you mess up, fess up. If you done it, and I know that's improper grammar, you just done it." And sometimes that God will save you if you'll just be honest with yourself or with other people, just to tell the truth. That when you begin to go into falsehoods and continue down that road, if you don't get off of that road, it's going to spiral into something that's very destructive. It starts as one little white lie, and there's two little white lies, and then now you know the lies are purple, and now they black and now they're midnight black and and you lie so much you can't determine which is lying which is the truth you ever have somebody lie so much they can't even remember if they lying themselves but guess what if you know jesus you have chance to change that and this is how you keep the enemy off of your back the enemy can't get you and expose lies if all you tell is the what This is not a, 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 a test to tell you to tell everybody your business, but sometimes the best thing you can do about your past is just tell the truth because you pull the power from the enemy. He can't hold nothing against you. What do you have? You don't have a secret. You don't have a secret card. Somebody trying to blackmail you? They can't blackmail you. Why? Because you told the what? truth. You can protect yourself in the truth. What else is there? The breastplate of righteousness. That protects all the vital organs. And that's protected in order for you to survive as a Christian. The breastplate of righteousness, all our righteousness is but of a filthy rag. We are made righteous through the blood of who? jesus christ his blood is what protects us his blood is what covers us his blood is what keeps us his blood is what keeps the enemy off of us And the sting of sin and death is gone away because of the blood of jesus christ he has protected us from those things and that one day that paul says that the corruptible will put on incorruptible and the immortal will put on immortality and we shall be caught up to meet with jesus in the air because we are saved feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace one of the most important parts of a roman soldier's body was his feet you know why that's why they made roads in the the roman culture because when you're able to travel faster you can not only get commerce going but you can conquer quicker why because you can get armies better to, to other places quicker you ever try to go someplace when your feet is hurting You put on some shoes, you knew that they looked good, but they didn't feel good. (laughs) And you figured, I'm only going to be there for a minute, and now all of a sudden you're still there, and you're smiling, but you're crying on the inside, and you can't wait till you get home, and you kick them as hard as you can, so they go to the back of the room, and you just fall out of the chair, and you can feel your blood pressure, and you can feel the pulse in your feet, and all those things, and you're almost immobile because your feet are hurting. You can't do anything. And if we don't, don't give the gospel of jesus christ and be ready to share the gospel guess what the church will become immobile and we will not move how beautiful are the feet of them that what preach the gospel So it's important, especially in today's time, that we remain faithful to God and remain faithful to the word, whether we have 5,000 or 5 or 500, that we continue to share the gospel and not allow that to be extinguished. It says also, in addition, verse 16, take up the shield of faith. In other words, take God's shield of faith so you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. That he's going to throw the darts. But you got to determine if you have enough faith. Yes, he's going to do some things to wreck your life. Yes, he's going to do some things to hurt you. And, and what you have to do is you have to learn to say, "Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world." And I have faith that the God who began a good work in me will be a- faithful to complete it and able to complete it. So I am not going to give up. I have faith. Yes, I have tough times, but I'm not going to allow the enemy to tell me that I'm not going to make it. This is my fifth financial blunder. Or this is my sixth problem with this or that or whatever the case you have, but you got to have faith that God is able to do it and bring you out of it and don't allow the enemy to kill your steam and keep you from functioning in the flow that God has you. Some people are so depressed they can't do what God wants them to do because they're trying to raise their hand, but their minds are on their bills. Their minds are on the doctor's report there's a blessing in giving if you want to get true blessing learn to give don't and and don't give to get but get to give and become a generous giver and you will see how much god blesses you but if you don't have your finances in order well you can't give you got to have faith to say i can come out of this i might have to start little by little i might have to get a part-time job i might have to go to get budgeting or counseling or help or whatever the case may be but my goal is to make sure that i am financially fit because if i am i can bless the kingdom of God. If I have a sickness, I'll do whatever the doctor tells me to do, but I have faith while I'm doing those things that God is able to heal me, and I'm still believing for my healing. We're almost done. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All of those things are defensive instruments, except for one. A sword is an offensive instrument. It amazes me how much we as Christians have swords in our hand and then we run and hide. Can you imagine a man coming to a knife fight and he's got an AK 47 in his hand and as the crowd runs up, he's far outmatched them but he tucks tail and he runs? How silly would that be? But how many of us hide the Bible? And hide our thoughts to ourselves, and don't stand on the word of God because we're scared of the systems of the world. We're scared if we say what the Bible says, we may lose our job or we may lose friends or influence. But this word is designed, the Bible says that it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is designed to be offensive. The cross is an offense. This is an offensive instrument. You are not waiting. You are going out. The Bible says, go, therefore, into every nation and preach the gospel. Be on the offensive. Verse 18 through 20. We're going to read these and we'll be done. Ready, read. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. That's that word again. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak words, the speak words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare fearlessly as I should. He's praying for emboldened strength, and I pray that for you today that you will be emboldened to share your faith. Don't keep it quiet. Romans 1.16 says that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. God has called us to share his word. We are in a spiritual battle. We need to know which battles we're fighting. In order to be effective in the right battles, we need to know which enemy we're fighting. Sometimes we're fighting the devil and the devil is not the battle. The devil is not the problem. It's our own flesh. And that's why we don't get any progress because we're fighting the wrong enemy. Sometimes we're fighting our flesh but it's a system of the world and we're fighting the wrong enemy that the system of the world is evil and you must not allow those things to expose you and watch things that you shouldn't watch that the world is putting out there as popular culture and entertainment because it's going to affect the weakness in your flesh. But many times those things are designed and strategized by an enemy that seeks to devour and destroy you. And you have to know the difference by keeping your mind on the Word of God, keeping yourself constantly in the Word and renewing your mind, and also praying consistently a life of prayer. My spiritual father often said to me when I was a young preacher, he said, if you want to know how big your church is, don't count your crowd on Sunday, count your crowd on Wednesday." Because that's when the people who are serious, except for those who have to work, show up. That's your real church. Jesus says, my house shall be called the house of prayer. But I'm amazed, and I'm probably pretty sure that at many houses across the world, and this is not a critical statement, but a factual statement, that prayer is the most under-attended place. I wouldn't be surprised if many people knew when prayer starts at seven or prayer starts at 7 and their service starts at 7.30, that they purposely become late so they don't have to show up to prayer. And when they get there, they're distracted and they won't pray. And then they wonder why they have no power. Everybody say, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. If you're hearing me on this podcast as we close today, I want to thank you for taking the journey with us through Ephesians. And I hope for us in the building that we have received some spiritual blessings that will help grow us in our faith. When you look at the goodness of God, all it makes you want to do is worship and bow down. And worship him when you look at the treasures that he's locked inside of his word. How many blessings he put in the book of Ephesians just for you. All those blessings that you are seated with him in heavenly places and that you have every manner of spiritual blessing. And that although you are, or have, are seated with him, there's a war going on on the earth and you have these battles. But guess what? Your elder brother has everything under his feet. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And wherever it goes, I pray that it blesses somebody and that you get the glory for it in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that some soul is saved and some heart is filled and nourished by this word over and over again. Thank you for it. We we ask you to bless it and break it, multiply it, create miracles in people's lives. By the power of your spirit, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise.